Warning, this podcast contains rude, crude, and prude language, which might burn your ears if you listen to it for too long. Listener discretion is advised. Nobody even gives a shit, because nobody <laughs> plays Arch Enemy. So the only people that actually fucking ever see the schemes are like the nine kids that think it's cool, because they're always the Arch Enemy because they bought the decks, so they don't let their friends be the Arch Enemy. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to you by ManorDeprived.com and 60cards.com. Check us out. In 2010, a crack magic-playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Everybody was metagaming against each other because we saw each other's decks. Jay Bush. I'm not going to ask a homeless guy for a deck idea, okay? I'm going to give the guy some change and, you know, probably half my sandwich. Smitty. Just completely edit out Jay Bush like uh, the whole thing. Scotty. But what is it with people that live in French countries that like blue-white control? Are you guys just like, do you have that big of a chip on your shoulder? Like, what is it? And now, the AT. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 39 of the A-Team podcast. This is your host, KYT. Join as always with the awesome A-Team, Jay Scott. And while Jesse's going to be running in late, <laughs> taking care of Kai, I assume. So we got my good friend, local friend, Jake Mazzaro, someone who top-aided a PTQ this past weekend with uh, Blue Manji, which I would <laughs> Blue Manji. <laughs> Blue Manji. <laughs> How's it going, Jake? Not bad. How about you? I feel pretty good myself, actually. Um so to start off, do we want to start off with anything before we get into, uh, let's say, Jay's, Jake's PTQ performance? Oh, we can start there. It sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. So I, I played there myself at the Ottawa PTQ. Uh, me and Jake were the only ones from uh, Check Swing to make it down there. And I, of course, decided to ultimately run Callblade. Uh, many of my Twitter followers were urging me to to play that deck, even though I was thinking about Vengevines. I mean, Cody Crosman was very, very pushy. It's like, you got to play Cobblade. <laughs> so I caved. I played it. Uh, went 5-2. Lost to two Felix. Splinter Felix and Sammy T, both playing uh, their own version of Splinter Twin. And, uh, you know, I didn't... Uh, I felt good. 5-2. You played tight. Uh, yeah, and... Wasn't uh, too upset over my performance. Did do a misplay against Felix, though, when I went over-aggressive, uh, trying to attack him, like, basically almost tapped out to attack him with a colonnade and other creatures. And then he was able to rip Splinter Twin off the top to kill me. So, <laughs> And I had the cards in hand to stop that if I didn't tap out. Like, I had Celestial Purge and, and Spellskite in hand, but it was just unfortunate how I tapped out to attack with colonnade. Try to play Spellskite, which he mana leaked, and he ripped Splinter Twin for the win. So that was pretty heartbreaking. With he only had one card in hand or something with uh, Deceiver Exart in play. Um, so Jake, uh, how tell us about Blue Manji? Okay. Um, hmm. Actually, the night before, I really wanted to play Cobblade, but uh, Joey Smith, um, Nick LeBlanc, and Alex Hayne pretty much forced me to play it. 
And so I ended up sleeping it up the night before. Uh, did some good testing. I'm The deck is... I can't even describe how good this deck is. I was really skeptical on it. Then Larry Swayze just turned it into the nuts. Frost Titan is insane right now. <laughs> so uh, what did you... How did you do in the Swiss portion? Okay, well, here, I'll start off with my uh, my embarrassing story. Um, round one, I'm playing against Kyle Duncan, a uh, guy who finished fourth in Nationals last year. Good, really nice guy, good player. Um, it's game three. I've got the win on the board. I have a spell skate, and he plays... He has it. He has the Exarch and no cards in hand. He draws. He plays. He plays the twin, hoping I'll screw up and not know how the spell skate works. And I didn't know how the spell skate works, and I lost. <laughs> uh, nice. It was so painful. I was with. I I basically almost dropped. Luckily, Duncan pretty much just told me shut up, keep playing, and I proceeded to win out into the top eight. So how like, did you think that spell skate worked? Um, I misread Deceiver Exarch because I was thinking of uh, Pestermite, which was untap tap or untap target permanent, and I thought that Exarch also read that instead of reading untap target permanent you control. So I was so as soon as the twin resolved, I'm like okay, and so I figured he he try to activate it and then I'll just untap my spell skin and life will be good. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a really bad mistake on my part. It's like. I don't know. When after you do so much testing, and you just assume, yeah, yeah, spell sky stops the combo. No one's actually going to try and run it into your spell sky, and then he ran it into my spell sky and I had no clue what to do. But because <laughs> he had to. Yeah, because he had he had no other outs. I had I had the kill. I had the kill on the board, and he had no outs in hand. So his only out was to play to the fact that potentially you were retarded. <laughs> yes, dad. Right? Like that that's what you're telling us. And exactly. then and then in that moment you were KYT'd and gapped. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only okay. like I was the, I was the, I was KYT and Kyle Duncan was the kid. Mm-hmm. So okay. so the the actual play is to have it in redirect redirect out. yeah, exactly. Cuz it's an aura and I did not realize that play, but Un- but that's part of magic. You got to right. get to the part where you learn, and uh, I learned. <laughs> okay, definitely go on uh, to the rest right. of your tournament. Let's see. Rounds round two and three was like I played against like blue black infect, where the guy goes turn one ink moth nexus turn two swing for one poison, which I proceed to go dismember, take four <laughs> one land take four LD spell seems pretty good. I, after that, I actually beat Mono Red. That matchup is really hard. Uh, beat Exarch Blade, even though I tapped out and didn't really because I didn't realize it was Exarch Blade. And then I'm like, oh god, he has the combo. But luckily he didn't, and I won that round. Was and, it Phil Sam's or no? It was um, Andy okay. Peters. Guy finished second at the PTQ in Ottawa. You know, in okay. Toronto. Okay. And the win in, I played against uh, what's his face, Ben Moore. Oh, before that round. People know that I end up going on tilt really easy. And so in order to avoid that, Alex Hayne asked me, he's like, Jake, come over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I always do to keep Joey off tilt. So I kind of lean in, and all I hear is wham. And he, <laughs> then, I, then I realized he had slapped me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that was slapped really by nice. Alex. That's hilarious. I, I actually didn't go on tilt. I won. Oh, Against Ben Moore, basically, I'm, I'm just a sack. I kept a hand of, it was greedy, it was Forest, Birds of Paradise, Lotus Cobra, Nest Invader, Nest Invader, Vengevine, Fauna Shaman. 
I did not see the second land until the last turn of the game. So you got lucky the fact that he didn't kill your bird. Yeah, he didn't kill my bird, and my Fauna Shaman basically rolled, and I was able to swing for lethal. Hmm. Sweet. Yeah, and game two, game two, he didn't realize I was playing uh, Dismember, which that's a card actually. I took out, I took out Deprive for Dismember. I was happy with the choice until I played against the uh, top eight and got blew out by Disme- uh, Deprive. Uh, <laughs> like game one, uh, first two games we split. Third game, I keep a pretty slow hand. So you're you're, you're talking about your top eight match? Yeah, you, my top. You were, yeah, you were against the mirror. Yeah, I was against uh, Matsur Brazil. Okay. Uh, game three, I tried to stick a Jace, and he deprives it. And basically, I just I was so far behind at that point that I just didn't get there after that. And basically, in the mirror match, some a lot of people are not expecting mirror match right now, but because the deck is becoming so much more prevalent, everyone knows about it now. A lot of people are going to try and play. Eventually, you're going to see a mirror match. Essentially, the main thing in the mirror match is to dr- you get a six drop and you win the game, <laughs> because something like Frost Titan is just the nuts right now, and you stick it down and you can tap you tap down like a Fauna Shaman or something, and essentially you can get there. <laughs> well, nothing in your deck beats the six drops of your mirror, right? Like it, if if you drop if your opponent drops a Frost Titan or a Consecrated Sphinx ahead of you, you're gonna run your Vengevine into it. Yeah, it's you feel you feel really far behind as soon as he drops as soon as he drops like a six drop. Luckily, Phyrexian Metamorph is there to do the job. So, like in the first game, there he stuck a Frost Titan. I'm like, oh man, I'm really far behind. But Jason, Jay's bouncing a Phyrexian Metamorph, tapping four to play a Metamorph, and then paying the extra to keep his Frost Titan tapped seems pretty good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, hmm. and um, ended up losing in the top eight, but. I don't know. I'm really liking Blue Manji right now. Props to KYT for making me call it Blue Manji. Well, that's what it's called. Like, why would you try to change? It's like trying to change no, Cobblade or something. It's called the Glass Cannon, but. Oh, right, know. right. Adrian Sullivan named it Blue Manji. My bad. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. How was your Miser Oracle? Did you find that it was I just. I hated it. It it's, was like your first card to sideboard out every time? Yeah, every. I think I in my boarding plan. Wait, give me a sec. I think I actually have it in my pocket. Yeah, got it. Um, in every single matchup, I'm boarding out Oracle. So I just... I updated the list. I took it out for a third uh, Metamorph. Metamorph is amazing. I don't see some... Oh, um, what's his face? Uh, <laughs> I see Cormier. Uh, local, well, not local, actually. Uh, semi-pro player. Very good player from Montreal. Um, was playing a one of Sword of War and Peace in his sideboard. So against uh, round one, he was playing Cobblade. His opponent plays a turn two Stoneforge. He plays a turn three uh, Fraction Metamorph, copying the Stoneforge and, go- and goes to get his Sword of War and Peace. So dirty. That seems pretty good. That's next leveling your opponent, right? Oh, it was really uh, painful to watch. Yeah, that sounds like a great play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mold Chambler. I love Mold Chambler. Yeah. Yeah, as a one at of seven, it's, at six actually, because it's or four six, and then yes. the kicker at two. It's I really like it as a one of in the board. It comes it comes in against like, for example, if you if you see you're playing against a more traditional blue white uh, cobblade player that's still playing stuff like Gideon, you bring it in, you just take down his Gideon, just like next level, because he will end up like tapping out tapping out for the Gideon. You go get this awful creature that he never saw coming, and you just kind of get there. Mm. Feels pretty good. Otherwise, though, like, 
I don't know, this deck got a lot harder to play. Because originally a lot of people used to think, oh yeah, it's just Vendrians, like anyone can play it. I mean, hell, even Smitty can play it. Um, <laughs> so you, <laughs> no, don't get me wrong, I love, I, love, I love you, Smitty, even though he's not here. Um, eventually, like, you end up against the Cobblade matchups. Or Cobblade is easy, just because you can just kind of like recur Vengevines, never stop the Vengevine cycle. In a lot of matchups, you have to actually have to think about every single play. It ends up having that kind of a rug feel. Yeah. Yeah, so you end up you end up feeling sort of sort of like that, and then eventually you just kind of get there. <laughs> so there are an inordinate amount of fetches in this deck. Oh yes, there are. Here, give me a sec. I'm looking. So at- I'm looking at your list right now. So four Misties, three Verdant Catacombs, one Scalding Tarn, two Evolving Wilds, one Terramorphic Expanse, two Halimar Depths, seven Forest, and four Island is a mana base. Twenty four lands. Exactly. Um, your mirror in the top eight played. Something a little bit different. Uh, two Halimar Depths, two Terramorphic, two Evolving Wilds, three Verdant Catacombs, four Misties, three Islands, eight Forests. So the same, just a bit of a mix. Um, it just, it, without the Cobras, that seems like you're really losing tempo, right? Um, yeah, it depends on the matchup, honestly. I think the fetches are really important just in terms of like um, using them aggressively because there's a lot of scenarios where times are good if you don't have a... Lotus Cobra, you're gonna have a Jace, or you're gonna you're gonna have something where you're gonna want the like even if you're you were playing the Oracle, like end of turn you go and you just kind of dig for your answer, and and there was actually one game where I had Oracle in play and I saw land on top. It was against Mono Red. It was game one, and I managed to fetch fetch end of turn. And I see a Frost Titan on top. Must be nice. So at that point you end up feeling like the Oracle was pretty good. I think you can cut down on the uh, amount of fetches once the oracle is gone, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna tinker around a little with it a little before Canadian Magic Tour and mm-hmm. uh, see how it goes. So I guess um, the one honestly, I, I got four spell guides nice and early, but I haven't actually had the opportunity to play with it yet because all the decks that I've been building, none of them run spell guide. Um, question that I've got is. And they probably should be, but I mean, I'm brewing a lot of, I'm playing a lot of Legacy right now. So, um, I guess the question comes down to: Do all of your creatures really remain safe, like when you're playing Spell Skype more often than not? Um, actually, I really feel like it does. You like, there were a lot of scenarios where you feel like Spell Skype is just a... Spell Skype. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, the... I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. He's kind of like he's kind of like your best friend who'll take the hit no matter what you do. So sort of like Gideon to Jace. Basically, so you end up in that scenario where, okay, no matter what happens, he's just gonna kind of take the hit, take the hit, take the fall. At the worst, your Vengevine doesn't get tapped down. He plays an Exarch to try and tap down a Vengevine, avoid lethal damage. You just tap your own spell sky. You seem spell sky. <laughs> in the end, um, what's his face? Uh, Durf. In one of Dirk's, Dirk's comics, he talks about tum, tum lol magnet. Yeah. And honestly, I think that is the best in, the best way to describe tumble magnet in this game. Yeah, or just spell sky just like ends up getting capped down by the even by the X arc. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So Scott, you're asking about spell sky specifically in this archetype or in general? 
No, I think specifically in this archetype. I mean, okay. traditionally, you know, the the birds, lotus, cobra, fauna, shaman, shell, you know, has always been really, really fragile. Um, especially since you know when everyone is playing. I mean, maybe and and here's the thing: maybe all of this is changing with Cobblade being the dominant deck, right? But I mean, I feel like for the most part. When Rug was running rampant and, you know, you've got red, black vampires and, you know, mono red and Boros, you know, and those were all heavy parts of the metagame. I mean, how many of those decks play Lightning Bolt? Mm, all of them. So it kind of seems like, you know, Birds, Cobra, Shame, and Vengevine, they're all really, really fragile. So, I mean, Spellskite intuitively should have, you know, an impact on that. I was just yeah. curious as to how it actually po- played out in terms of execution. In my mono red matchup, I ended up uh, every game I stuck the turn to uh, Spellskite and just kind of ended up like playing around. Like he had to, he couldn't really play the bolts, so like he had, ended up having to like burn me in the face. Which I mean, it's fine because I'll just go get an obstinate bail off with my Fauna Shaman. But like, I really like Spellskite right now. It's ten dollars for a reason. It's a lot of people were talking about it going down. It may, I don't know, but right now I know that it's worth the ten dollars right now. Jake, you don't think there's a problem with this uh, metagame that everyone seems to be complaining about. You're fine with uh, Lumanji. I'm I'm fine with it. You want to play Cobblade, go ahead. Like, when I go to Canadian Magic Tour, I'm not... If I see, like, X amount of Cobblade decks and don't see anything else, I think I'm going to be a very happy man. And I think I'll also be X out, but... Yeah, definitely. I, I play tested a, a few quick games with uh, Jake, and he, he definitely won all the all the games that we did play, which was uh, I think we played three or four. And yeah. um, when you talked about Spellskite in uh, Blue Manji, Scott, there's I mean, even Larry Swayze was kind of worried about the archetype in the future as more Cobblade players adopt playing at least three dismembers in the yeah. Cobblade list, and I think that's really relevant in. In our test games, Jake, I, I don't think I had them at all. And I think that's a key spell that, that allows really Cobblade, Cobblade to have a chance against one of your most explosive starts. And that's the reason why Larry was, uh, I think he stated on SCG Live that he was worried about the shift and that it would make Blue-Green Vengevine lose some percentage points in that matchup. And uh, see, Cobblade is pretty scary that it can adapt and just still crush you well and the sick part about it i mean in my experience playing dismember you know in i because I, I, i've been playing a bit of a pv's list right that he won singapore with because i mean it plays three dismember and i just think that's fucking awesome especially when he makes the point to say like losing four life to kill a creature is totally irrelevant in that deck you connect once with you know batter skull and and war and peace and your life no longer matters agreed yeah no doubt um I think that's actually why, in my list, I'm playing three dismember in my sideboard. <laughs> yeah, which totally throws people off because you're blue green Vengevine. Right? It threw me off when you played. Uh, well, when you played it against me, it so. threw Ben Moore off when he thought he had a safe turn to Stoneforge and going to get a batter skull. So your sideboard right now says two dismember. Was it three and oh, two I, into the royal? Or um, did you make the change afterwards? I made the change afterwards. My change. Na- my list now is running three obstinate Bailoff. Three deprive, two nature's claim, um, three dismember, one spellskite, one consecrated sphinx, one mold shambler, one frost titan. So no into the royals. No, I cut. I cut the into the royals. I'm. They might come back. I'm not sure. I need. There's definitely a little bit of testing to do here. I really like. I'm really big on deprive right now. 
I might go with a. I might go two two two, but I. But I kind of like a three three right now. It makes it makes the percentage really a lot better. And I feel like a lot of people. You were just saying KYT about this member becoming coming in and being a lot more prevalent. I don't know. I think a good Blumanji player will just play around it. Because you can, you, you can see the dismember coming a mile away a lot of the time. The guy keeps one mana open, you're kind of like, okay, he has a dismember in hand. Now what do I do? Dismember doesn't kill your most relevant finishers anyway. Yeah, exactly. But like early game, early game, you're right, KYT. It will end up hurting, hurting the game plan. But stuff like Nest Invader is really good in that scenario because you're like, you play it, and at the worst, it's just a ramp spell. You can get, it allows you to stick a turn three Jace when he's hoping to play a Batter Skull. Instead of, and then you're like, hey, cool, I have a Jace now. What you got? <laughs> yeah, definitely, I think, uh, you, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's an it's ex- extremely good weapon for, for Cobbly to have, and I expect all versions to play three copies in the main. Uh, definitely. From here on out. But or, the main thing it does cause is that it makes it so that now you know they're not playing Day of Judgment, so you can just kind of overextend now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and you know what? The prospect of a Cobbled list playing, you know, a uh, healthy dose of counterspells, um, you know, dismembers and uh, as spot removal, couple into the Royals for catch-alls, and then, you know, two Day of Judgment, that's pretty scary. That's scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're scaring me a little, man. I uh, know. Don't give these people ideas before. Wait, the cast will be after CMT. It doesn't matter. Yeah. At that point, I'll already be holding a trophy in 2500, so life's good. So here's the question. So the standout deck list has to be Charles Trottier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Charles okay. Trottier, man. So I'd really like you to tell me a little bit about how this actually executed. I mean, did, did, did any of you get the chance to watch? I mean, KYT, you obviously didn't make top eight, so you must have seen at least one game this played. No, I, I, <laughs> I left right when top eight started. Well, hot damn. But uh, Charles has always come with some of the spiciest decks. Uh, I mean, in Extended, I think, in, at the PTQ, where I top four with Blue-White Fairies, he played some crazy Pyromancer Ascension deck. Oh, yeah, he was playing the uh, the Rug Pyromancer deck. <laughs> like, he's he's playing something crazy every format, and, you know, ask always specifically asked me to highlight it on my website. But uh, here we are on the podcast talking about you, Charles. So, I don't know, what do you think about his deck? Well, it's so basically it looks a lot like uh, it, it's a Bant birthing pot deck. I mean, there's, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, it looks like a Vengevine list, you know, with a bunch of bullets and uh, in Bant colors, you know, Masticore and the whole nine. I mean, 27 creatures, some manlands and stuff, you know. But then you've got uh, Stoneforge Mystic Package, you know, Feast and Famine, War and Peace and Batterskull. You have three Jace and three Birthing Pod. Like, <laughs> it's like Mythic all over again, except instead of Conscription, it's Birthing Pod. Basically. Oh, but unfortunately, guys, I have a math exam tomorrow, and I'm getting the uh, the yank from the parents. <laughs> all right. So, uh, here, before I leave, I do have three or four quick shout-outs to give out. Sure, go ahead. Okay, first one is to uh, my friend uh, Eric uh, J. Seltzer, E.J. Seltzer on uh, <laughs> <laughs> E.J. Seltzer on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> really good, really good guy. Um, suck that he could the auto PTQ. Definitely a guy looking looking to uh, getting to Magic. He's 
definitely got got some good got some good times ahead of him. Um, like to shout out to, to Joey Smith, uh, Alex Hain, uh, Nick LeBlanc, Plain Dude on Twitter, um, Adrian Davidian, and Vasil Meisterov. These are a, a few guys that definitely helped out uh, helped me get my game to where it is now. I'm definitely by no means a good player yet. Just as Justin Richardson, uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully with their help, I can I can get there eventually. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks a lot, guys. I'll uh, no I'll catch you around. Thanks Jay for coming Jay. on. See ya. So we were on Bant Pod. I mean, I don't know what to think, uh, Scott. <laughs> I I don't know whether it's just like it got there on Rogue Factor. I don't know. I look at a list like this and I see, I think Jesse's list is probably stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like it would be more consistent with just the two colors. I mean, sure. He's, he's looks like he's shoehorning in Seagate Oracle trinket mage to find hex parasites. Jace. And then Jace. I mean, it just feels awkward. It just looks like such an untuned list, like all the all the random numbers, and I'm still not sold on Hex Parasite being an actual good card in this meta game. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I think Spellskite's kind of like eliminated half the cards that Hex Parasite was meant to beat. <laughs> so but definitely interesting, especially the Malira in the sideboard, which I haven't. See, I guess he's trying to not lose to poison. Right. <laughs> He's trying to pull off the Woodfall Primus combo. <laughs> Without the Woodfall Primus? <laughs> so what's going on here? Well, I ended up testing the uh, the Gitaxian probe idea that we talked about last week, and I, I was excited about do it because of Bing Luke's uh, reasoning, but turns out to be uh, Adam Yurchik uh, finished 12th at uh, GP Singapore, and he actually liked... Uh, Gitaxian Probe and recommends, I think, playing two or three at least. His article on uh, TCG Player this week talked a lot about, um, you know, how insane that card was. I mean, the, I think the quotation that comes out of the article is, <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sh- the card I'm sure will draw the most attention is Gitaxian Probe. It was my first time playing with the card and it was absolutely insane. Like, he says it's a perfect card for the deck, perfect deck for the card, and it effectively won me countless games outright. He says, if I could play the tournament again, I would have played 61 cards and four Gitaxian Probe. It was that good. Yeah. Well, so. I, always, I always talk to Adam, and he's the type to love playing cards like Duress, or, or he loves knowing what the opponent has in their hands. He loves playing decks like that. Um, you know, It's funny that we haven't seen the other Cobblade decks adopt this idea like PV, and I've talked to Drew Levin himself before the Invitational. We discussed uh, amongst each other uh, what he thought about Gitaxian Probe, and uh, he said, quote, I think it's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I played it myself, and like Bing recommends sandbagging it, holding on to the probe until you really need to know the person's hand, but then sometimes you, know, you need that action, or, or you need to know that card that you're going to draw with the probe to be able to plan what you're going to do. You know, sometimes that probe could have easily been a Stoneforge Mystic or even a Squadron Hawk, a relevant card. So I'm still not sold on it myself. I mean, like, you can have two in your opening hand and you're losing four life to really just draw cards. So, you know, Cobblade's a deck that 
it's really hard to cut cards. And I end up playing something um, like what Drew, Jerry, and Chapin played at the Invitationals. And I was happy with that list, except I ended up playing three Divine Offerings like those guys, main. And in seven rounds, did not face a single Cobbling Mirror. So Really? Yeah, even though it was there was 29 Cobblade in, but it was a 90 player tournament. So you're talking about a third of the metagame, and I happened to dodge every mirror, and I was over metagaming my deck mm. to beat them because I saw their decks. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not again, really? <laughs> but no, no, I didn't see anybody's deck. I just knew Cobblade was going to be relevant, and just I, I was like facing Rug. Rug, Rug Twin. I'm like mono red. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't. I know we talked about ban or not ban briefly. I I personally find maybe, I mean, Aaron Forsythe just tweeted that you know it might be their biggest mistake since Mirrodin, uh, but Michael Flores thinks this is the best standard format ever, and I think it's. I think I said this last episode. I love how you know there's a lot more skill involved in the mirrors. There's a lot more different cards. Even now, you know, you're seeing decks that trims off spell pierce completely or only plays two mana leaks so there's still a lot of customization to be made but i think the issue is having to face the same set of cards over and over again and uh yeah when when 52 or 54 of the cards are the same and it's like oh you only play two mana leaks that's a lot of customization that's like saying like putting spinners on your car makes it completely different like And so, are you unhappy, Jay? Are, are you hoping I've, for? I absolutely am. Yeah, I've, I, Cobblade has single-handedly scooped me out of the format. <laughs> like I just fucking I can't handle it. Like I don't I don't want to play with Cobblade. Like I don't want to be the player that's playing it. I don't have fun even when I'm the pilot of that deck. Okay. And like I just hate the fact that like and I mean it like um I talked about this a little bit last night, but I think like the um the main thing is like I have fun in standard when there's lots of choices or when there's at least a rock paper scissors environment you know when aggro beats like combo and combo beats control and then control beats aggro or something or however that fucking rock paper scissors works or whatever right so i mean there's always like that um (laughs) like that's fun for me don't we have that but i don't know i don't think we do i think right now we have cobbled Control. And and then we have maybe Exarch Twin, which Combo. still is not, which is still not in the top eight all the time, and is still losing to Cobblade all the time. Okay, right? but, okay. I think that the only reason that it's underperforming is that not enough people are taking the deck seriously enough to play it. Like Cobblade's been around in some way, sh- some shape or form. Like think about how long KYT's been playing this fucking deck. Oh no, I'm aware okay. of that. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's so, why I don't so like people, it. So people have been playing the deck forever. So the, the capable Cobblade pilots are just more experienced of with course. their deck than the Exarch Twin pilots, right? Because yeah. they have only had, you know, what, three weeks to pick up their cards and play this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I'm aware of that. I'm just, I'm saying that that's irrelevant to me because it's still not fun. I don't give a shit about that. It's just not fun. Like, it's not fun for me to go to FNM, and if there's 20 people there, 10 of them are playing Cobblade. And then, like, you can't, you can't build, like, your janky rogue factor decks to beat Cobblade because if you do, then you'll lose to other people's janky rogue factor decks, right? And then, 
like so it's just it's just like I just I'm not having fun in the format right now. I don't think it's very fun. So I've scooped out of the format. Um <laughs> and I just play commander now. That's all I play. Commander and draft. Huh? What, about, what about plane chase? No, because nobody fucking supports fucking plane chase. <laughs> Fuck. Last night at EDH, this guy as his like he did like a cool EDH achievement and as the bonus achievement that he got for prize, he got two new arch enemy schemes that are like brand new like they they just came out. No one has made a new fucking plane chase scheme for like over a year. No one fucking plays arch enemy. No one <laughs> likes arch enemy. The only time people play arch enemy is when you combine it with plane chase. Arch enemy <laughs> is the fucking worst. And they made two new fucking schemes for it. And the schemes are getting so ridiculous. Like, the first scheme that they made was just go get a fucking Planeswalker and put it into play. Which I've gotten, wow. I've gotten wow. it on numerous occasions as the first card that I flip over. And I'm just like, okay, well, I just put, like, Gideon into play, go. Like, land, go. And then you just scoop. You're like, fuck this. Um, and then, so last night, there was a bunch of other fucking... <laughs> like schemes that were like that it was just like like if you flip this scheme over you can just kill everybody and punch them in the face and then you you also get to keep their cards and you just fucking put 38 dragons into play that all have haste and are shroudy and like it's just fucking ridiculous and and, it's, and the reason they do that is because nobody even gives a shit because nobody <laughs> plays arch enemy so the only people that actually fucking ever see these schemes are like the nine kids that think it's cool because they're always the arch enemy because they bought the decks. So they don't let their friends be the arch enemy. Like it's, it's the worst. So yeah, wow. so I don't play Plane Chase because there's no, no to play it because they've all kind of forgotten about it in the two years that it's been not around. And so I just play fucking EDH and draft. But I mean, I'm going to go to game day and I might start going to M again with this new cross control that uh, Cody Crossman showed me. I'm going to try to tweak it a little bit. But other than that, like I just, I'm just so sick of like, I'm just so sick of just seeing people go turn two Stoneforge Mystic, and my hand just can't beat Batterskull on turn three, which is I'm like that card's just bonkers. Like that that card didn't need to be printed. I mean, obviously they had to print, um, they had to print a card with Living Weapon that is tournament playable, right? Every time they come out with a new mechanic, they need to put one in that's tournament playable. But and that's fine. But like the three swords and the deck card advantage, and we all know how Cobblade works, and then also fucking Batterskull is just like, I'm just sick of it. I'm just not, I don't care for it at all. So you, you see Stoneforge Mystic being banned out of, if, if there is a No, I don't, I don't see it being banned. I mean, it might be banned. I think it is, I think it's, if they're going to ban anything, that's the card that they should ban. I don't, I'm, I don't care. <laughs> and they're like anything like that. Like, I don't think, I don't think banning it will change very much. It'll probably just make like, it'll just make, <laughs> Boros better and like come back and Valakut come back and people will just Jesse will just bitch about that. <laughs> well, is isn't the real? So here's the thing, um, like Cobblade was a good deck before, right? And Batterskull no, well, has it's okay. Batterskull has put it into the ridiculousness. No, Sword and Feast and Famine made it really good, and then Sword of War and Peace and Batterskull made it like. Like the Juggernaut, right? But is it the like, sword? Is it really the sword? Like the Sword of War and Peace seems like it's the nuts in the mirror. Like that's the one where you nuke yeah. the opposing planeswalkers. You know, you're gaining a bunch of yeah. life. Like that's what makes it good in the mirror. So yeah. why not, not let? Them, so why not let them prey on themselves? It seems like Batterskull is the card that is making it dumb against everyone else. 
Well, yeah. I mean, not to mention that there's 60 other cards in the deck that we need to talk about in terms of like. <laughs> art yeah, but those, but but most of those cards have been there since the beginning. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not so, saying that Cobblade is. I'm not saying I'm sick of Cobblade in the last two weeks. I'm saying I, I'm sick of playing six months of Jund and six months of Fairies and six months of Cobblade. And six and months yet, more of Batter Skull. And, and yet here we are picking up on a theme, right? Like there's always going to be oh, a dominant deck that people are going to play the hell out of. It, it's always well, it's always this time of year, right? It always happens when when the block is completed, and there's ah. seven and there's seven or eight full sets in standard. That's the problem, right? And the, and I mean, I don't I don't I don't know how they designed the decks. I don't know if they saw ahead in in when they were designing this. Like this set was created three years ago or two years ago or whatever, right? Mm. So like. Maybe two years ago, no one in future future league or Mark Rosewater wasn't smart enough to figure out that cobbler. <laughs> so maybe that didn't happen. Like I don't know, right? But like the the problem is just that like there's just I'm just sick of playing against this deck. And as we know, like yeah, there's the whole quit bitching, start brewing like factor um, that there always will be. But as we know, like I can brew as much as I want if no one else brews, and I'm sick. And tired of playing f- fucking five Cobblade decks at a five round FNM. It doesn't matter how much brewing I'm doing if every other, <laughs> if every yeah. other fucking kid is playing just fucking fucking playing fucking Cobblade. <laughs> you know, like it's awesome that I brew all the time. No one's sucking my dick and giving me presents for fucking brewing. What they're doing is going going turn to batter skull, and then I'm just like, oh, awesome. I guess I main deck 58 artifact hate cards and try to beat you with fucking calcite snapper or some garbage. Like, it just pisses me off. Fucking Well, okay, but if it's not if it's not turn two batter skull beating down for four life or blocking your best dude or, you know, causing you to have an ulcer, um, like, it wouldn't, it just seems like it would make more sense if for the next three months they've just ban- they just banned batter skull. And then after rotation, yeah. and they reestablish, just fucking reintroduce it after Stoneforge is gone. Like it just—it just seems like that's yeah better. I mean, the thing—the thing is that like Co- Cobblade has been dominant without Batterskull for a long time still, right? right. And like the thing—the thing with Stoneforge Mystic is it's only as good as the equipment that it can go get. So you can't ban ten pieces of equipment. Okay, no, and I agree with you, but here's but here's the thing about Stoneforge though. Like Stoneforge works in a ton of decks, right? Like it it's very easy on the mana cost. It's a low yeah. cost casting cost guy. Like we see it in Vengevine decks, which are extremely powerful, obviously against Cobblade in general, right? We see it in uh, you know a, a lot of different uh, like Boros obviously plays it. Um, it just seems like War and Peace was almost designed to fucking nuke this deck. Like it, I mean that's why it's it, it's so good in the mirror, right? It's so good against Cobblade. War and Peace is like protection seventy five percent of your creatures and kill your planeswalkers at will like it's really strong um why wouldn't you want opposing decks to cobblade having access to stoneforge mystic and war and peace because nobody's playing those it doesn't make that doesn't that's that doesn't but make if batter skull didn't exist boros wouldn't suck right but but no but, one's but, but no one's playing but, that like war and peace still but holds nobody's playing boros. it because batter skulls and exist. but how about this scott no one played boros in when mirrored and besieged was out like Boros wasn't as dominant as like like as Cobblade was. Like what you're failing to understand here is that you keep going back to the fact that Cobblade has been is dominant now because of Batterskull, which is not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is I'm sick of playing Cobblade for the last fucking six months. Cobblade is just getting better and better. It was never bad and then sort of good and then okay and then amazing. It was good and then it was really good and now it's almost unbeatable. It's not it's it's not been a gradual bell curve here. It's been it's been the top of the mountain. Yes. He's on such a heater tonight. I know. I know. Well, like you and you just keep going back to the fact that like if we ban Batterskull, but like what I'm saying is Batterskull's not the problem. Fucking Jace and Batterskull and counters and probes and fucking preordain ban blue. and stone that forge. terrible color like, yeah, ban just ban islands cards. just ban islands and planes everybody just plays fucking mono black control at least <laughs> if everyone's just playing fucking mono black control then everybody's happy because they get to use their $25 obliterators that have never done fuck all <laughs> oh. nice very nice alright so um, the other thing I, I wanted to uh, I want to talk about tonight and, and no one's really um, on any of the other podcasts kind of stepped up to do this. And I think that, you know, as, as far as our listeners are concerned, it's very important that, you know, we're all aware, we all, we all really enjoy this, this hobby, you know, and some of us have more means than others in terms of, you know, being able to enjoy it. And I mean, let's, I guess, pull a little bit of a Medina here, you know, and let's let you guys, uh, let's talk about the finances of the game a little. Um, but, in a way that's really applicable. So local game stores versus online retailers. Uh, online retailers have obviously become more and more popular. I mean, Star City Games, you know, is pretty much uh, just as synonymous with the with the game of magic as, you know, Wizards at this point, especially with uh, with all the work that they put into their open series. Yeah. And they've really gone um, a long way towards becoming the mainline establishment for uh, the economy of this game. There are, you know, a lot of people in trading. Well, what do you value it at? Well, what's it on it? What's it at on star city? You know, um, people aren't pricing by what the price is in the case at the store anymore. So what I'd like to talk about is how has the game and the community changed in terms of these pricing structures? Or what do people expect from your, like, what do you expect from your local game store in terms of a pricing model and the way that they conduct business? You know, we've got uh, a lot of opportunity to get the word out there and, and do what's right for ourselves. I understand at the end of the day that local game stores need to make money. And, and I think that what's really, really important here is we, on this topic, I'd really like to hear everyone's feedback in the comments. Like, Tell me, you know, if you're a local game store owner, tell me what your opinion is on this. Chime in with some of your reasonings, you know. Uh, if you're an online retailer, like, tell me some of the motivation behind your benchmarking. Like, these, these are the sorts of things that I think is a very reasonable discussion for us all to have. Um, best example I can give you is, like, I've been investing in Legacy lately. And, like, I'm picking up Goifs, picking up Bobs. I picked up four underground Cs, you know, two unlimited, two revised. I picked up... Uh, you know, uh, unlimited Bayou, you know, um, force of wills, wastelands, like these sorts of things aren't cheap. Right. Right. And, and I mean, up to, we just had new Phyrexia come out. So how much, <laughs> you know, so that, that sort of thing. And so there's, you know, I've had quite a bit lately and I guess the question becomes, I would have really liked to have been able to spend that money in support of some of my local game stores. But 
some of the local game stores in particular that I would like to support have a almost completely isolated sense of pricing as it pertains to singles and the processes that, you know, they go through. Um, so when I put forth and say, hey, you know what, like the average Magic player that goes to FNM every week, that buys the odd pack, you know, that comes in for the odd single, like how much money are they spending in a week? How much money are they spending in a month? Well, they're not buying what you bought. <laughs> well, no, but so that's what I'm saying. So is it is it like $150 a month? Is Maybe, yeah. Is, is it 100 bucks a month? Like what's the number? If I want to be generous and say $200 a month, that's probably reasonable, right? Sure. Sure. And that's probably like an active regular player. Sure? Sure. sure. So $200 a month. So $2,400 a year. So of course you're going to do whatever you need to do. You know, uh, if, I mean, these people are just going to come in and, and pay the money. So what do you do when somebody comes in and who's a, a regular, you know, semi-regular attendee, big supporter of the store and says, okay, well, I'm looking to buy about $1,200 in cards. Um, I know you've got a lot of them available. Um, so here's what I'd like to buy them at. So and, and the benchmarks, of course, that you use are online retailers, not eBay, you know, but like Star City or Channel Fireball, you know, or uh, AB, uh, ABU Games, right? Uh, cool Stuff Inc., these sorts of guys, you know, the, the top, you know, Fasafas. <laughs> fast at fast. Plug, plug that for was you. so funny earlier plug, today. Plug for you, KYT. <laughs> um, but as a retailer, doesn't it make sense for you to want to do that? Like, money is money, right? I mean, these are not things, th these are not high volume cards. Like, this is not like putting spell skites in your trade binder. Do you know what I'm saying? That everybody's looking for. This is not like putting Stoneforge Mystics in at fifteen dollars. Um, I guess the question becomes: at, at what point is it about? Well, hey, this is good business, and at what point is it? Um, you'll pay my prices. Does this make any sense to anyone else? Like, am, like no, I don't know what's your question. Just ask me what your question is. I kind of know what you're talking about, but because you've been talking about it and not asking me a question, I kind of am lost. So, what's your question? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I don't. I don't. I'm not trolling you. I'm okay. actually like. I so just, when you go, so I don't you know go what to, your, to answer. Okay. So when you go to your local game store, yeah. How do they price their singles? Uh, my local game store claims, and I'm not sure because I can't. I'm, I'm not. I don't work there. <laughs> I don't work there. But they claim that they take an average of online store prices. Uh, so they price as close to Star City and like Channel Fireball and maybe Fasa Fast, probably Troll and Toad stuff like that. So like they're pretty. They're pretty close to. Um, they're pretty close to the, the pulse. Like if if Spell Skate's ten, they put it at ten. Uh, you know, I mean, they also kind of do opinionated, or they kind of have their own kind of finger on the pulse in terms of opinion of what should, something should be. So, uh, for example, one of the local game stores was selling Splinter Twin at sixteen uh, for foils, and regulars for twelve. And um, Phoenix is the store that I. Uh, support locally most of the time and is where Sean Hetherington works. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so, but they, and like, so I told them this and they had their spells or their Splinter Twins at eight. Uh, and I told them like, Hey, like if Sentry Box is selling out at $12, 
uh, you could probably sell it at eight. And they were like, yeah, we probably could. But like people are buying them at eight. They're buying them all the time at eight. We don't want to put them up to 12 and then have nobody buy them and then have to put them back down to 10 and then put them back down to eight. And we lost all that business. We'll just keep them at eight. We feel that that's a fair price. And so like they kind of do that. Um, but at the same time, like they are more expensive on old stuff than online stores, right? <laughs> like I can get, I can get like a, like a, I don't know, like a full art, say oxidized card, which is um, like maybe fifty cents on most online retailers. On Star City Games, it's like a dollar. Um, at their store, it's two. Uh, like old, old staples that are good for like EDH and stuff, they kind of can price up as well, whereas online stores like Star City Games doesn't really give a shit about that, so they kind of just let those old staples kind of slide, you know what I mean? Does okay. that make sense? Like, you know okay. what I mean? No, that's fair. Okay, so um, so an example. Uh, you're looking for a survival of the fittest for your um, mm-hmm. f- for your EDH deck, your model green commander yeah. deck. Okay? Yeah. And you see one in the case. Let me just actually exercise this. So I'm going to go to Star City Games and I'm going to look at a price. Sure. So you go in and uh, you're looking for a survival. Okay. And it's in the case at 50 bucks. Sure. And you know it's not worth 50 bucks. And maybe that, maybe the price on it is just a holdover from when survival was at its peak. Right. And that survival may have been in the case for five months. Yeah. Uh, and you go in and you say, well, look, you know what? Star City and everyone else online has them sitting at 30. So would you give it to me at 30? Yeah, would they you- would just say no. Okay. Like, they, I mean, if it was a big price difference like that, like if it was 50 to 30, right. I'd, be like, I'd be like, Star City has these at 30, like, and, and Channel Fireball has them at 28. Would you consider, like, dropping the price on, on this for 50? And they'd, they'd probably, like... As of the last little while, they'd probably check if it was that big. But if it if it was like the difference between like say like, if it's, if like it's ten five and six or, six, or like you know what I mean, a difference of five dollars or ten dollars even on a staple like Bob or a dual land or something, they they wouldn't probably they would just say no. They'd say buy it online. Okay. And continue to have it sitting in the case yep. as as a an unsellable asset at fifty dollars. Yeah. And miss out on the opportunity for the money. Yep. And how do you feel about that as a decision-making process from a business owner standpoint? I think that's awful. Um, And I mean, like, I understand, like, some people that own or work at brick-and-mortar stores are going to, like, cry foul and be like, oh, oh, there's there's differences between (laughs) online and stuff. And we don't compete with online because we're bad at marketing. And and also, (laughs) online stores don't have to pay for rent and heat and energy and shit. But, like, what I say to that is just, like, that's not my fucking problem. Like, like, honestly, like, if you want me to spend money in your store, you need to offer me something that somebody else isn't. Because if you're just the same as every online store... Then, like, why would I fucking shop at a brick-and-mortar store besides the fact that um, I can get cards, like, right now? Which isn't even really that relevant to me because I can get cards right now through, like, Troll and Toad, for example. Or, um, you know, like, they can overnight me cards if I need them for, like, a PTQ or something like that. So then it's, like, so then it becomes, like, well, like, is that 
that even relevant that I can get cards right absolutely now? For some people that are uneducated and, you know, there's lots of people out there that, like, are lazy or don't have the internet or don't understand how the internet works or think that they'll get ripped off or don't want to pay for shipping even though it's, like, a dollar and stuff like that. And so y- you can prey on that, those on that market. But honestly, like, I think you need to offer me something that I can't get everywhere else. And that's something that I notice a lot is that nobody has any um, – Nobody has any loyalty to online stores, really, because they're all the same, right? Yeah. So, so the online market has to be very competitive because you're basically going to buy your cards from wherever it's cheaper to buy them, including shipping. And, I mean, I do it all the time. I go online, and I pull up separate tabs, and I go to Sundry. I go, Star- so there's a plug for you, Don. I go Star City <laughs> Games. I go Channel Fireball. I go Troll and Toad. And then I go, like, maybe eBay or Google. And I just put in all the cards I want. If I'm going to order, say, let's say 10 foil Zendikar lands, right? And I find out what the price is with shipping, and I just buy it from the lowest number. I don't care what the URL is. I don't care if they fucking put potpourri in the box to make it smell nice. I don't give a shit if my friends always shop at Star City Games or Patrick Chapin works there or Brad Nelson. or Like, I don't give a shit about any of that because I just want to pay the lowest amount because it's online that's all that they can offer is a cheap price, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for brick-and-mortar stores, you have to offer us something that you, we can't get somewhere else. Because otherwise, why would I? Like, I don't, I don't care about your problems. Like, I don't care about, like, when you say to me, oh, it's, you know, we can't have the heat <laughs> up high because it costs too much money. Well, like, that's not my fucking problem. This is too school. Okay. So here's, okay. So, so let's... Let, let me, you know, rein this in a little bit. Okay. So I'm so glad to hear you say all of these amazing things because this is exactly <laughs> what I've been feeling. Okay. And I mean, I want to support my local game stores as much as humanly possible. Oh, sorry. I forgot to say that. I really do support, regardless yeah. of everything I say, I go to Phoenix as much as I possibly can and I plug Sentry Box as much as I can and I support them. Uh, that's not to say that they're not perfect though. Here's the thing. So I so I've got a couple stores that I like to support. Obviously, one in particular. I mean, I'm not gonna go ahead and say it online, but um, you know, realistically, if I'm looking for something, the first place I'm gonna go is there and say, "Hey, do you have this?" Yeah, yes. me too. You know, yeah. How much is it? Oh, it's this much. Oh, this much ends up being thirty percent higher than I can get it online plus shipping. I say, okay, thanks, and then I buy it online because. <laughs> You know, like, I would love to give the business, but it sounds like, you know, it, they're not interested in the business. And and as a consumer, I have to sit there and I have to say, you don't want my money. You're not, <laughs> you're not prepared to deal with me. <laughs> okay? You don't want to, um, you know, make business arrangements with me as, as a consumer. Uh, you're not interested in my business. There are many other, you know, online retailers that are capable of providing a uh, a much higher discount. Let's be honest, this is a commodity business, you know. Um, you know how you price your sig- your your singles doesn't reflect at all on what I think about, you know, your the way you run your tournaments or your me coming out to F and M. Like yeah. these are not these are not the same thing, you know. They're yeah. two totally different things. Um, and if that's the way that you know, you want to operate as a business, then let's, then as business owners, you should stand up and say that. 
and and this is this goes out to all brick and mortars that that decide they want to run their own independent pricing models and don't want to work with high volume purchasers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about you know people like John Medina that go. So uh, uh, how much are your energy fields worth? Oh, uh, two dollars. Oh, okay. I'll how take thirty. Do, how many do you have? Oh, I don't know, like thirteen. Because that card's oh, awful. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll I'll take them. So four? No, thirteen. Like. That's not what I'm doing. That's no. that's not the same as what I'm talking about here. We're just talking about buying lots of cards. Like like I go into I'm a store. About, I go I, into a store and Commander has just come out and I'm excited about Commander. So I buy sixty fucking cards for my new Commander deck. Thank you. I buy sixty singles. I'm like, oh my god, do you have this card? No. Do you have this card? Yeah. <laughs> do you have this card? Oh, we have that card too. Oh, what have you thought of this? Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Salesperson, for bringing that up. I hadn't thought of that. That's a really cool card. I'm gonna buy that. Yeah. Like we're talking about buying lots of cards at a time, but not collections, not thousand weights, right. not. So then you go, you go to the cash register, okay? And you're like, so, so, so you go, okay, so total all this up, okay? Now, meanwhile, you're on your smartphone and you're checking all the prices of what it would cost online. Okay, and you go. Okay, sweet. So I should be able to get out of here with about eighty-five dollars. And they go. Okay, your total's one sixty. Yeah. Fuck that. Peace. So that. So so. What do you do? So you spent all this time. You put it in there. So the first thing you're going to say is, okay, well, if I go online and I use this single vendor who is traditionally the most expensive online vendor, Star City Games. Um, and this is what it would cost me if I were to put the order through online. If I put the order through with shipping, it's going to cost me, you know, a hundred bucks. Um, do you think we could work on this one sixty a little? Like, how's one? Like, I'm prepared to go one twenty if I'm going to just walk out with them. So, mm-hmm. could we go one twenty? The answer is no. Like the it's, answer, it's the answer no. should, but it should be yes. This it is, should this be is, yes. This is what it I'm saying. Be. As a brick and mortar card store owner, you should be prepared. If somebody like that comes into your store and is honest and is is here to say, "Look, I want to give you the business, but you don't want to play ball with me." Yeah. Then don't be pissed off when we walk away upset. Don't be pissed off when we feel like unvaluable customers and i think i think the thing the big thing here is that like a lot of brick and mortar retailers don't seem to care and i think it's mainly because of those that that group of people that i talked about that are the naive or the lazy uh or the or the undying loyal where they like won't shop anywhere else no matter what and i think those people what's happening is they're creating an environment where yeah we could all walk away but those people will still go to x store and buy cards from there and so it's it puts us in a difficult position because now we have to go to lazy people and tell them to not be lazy and we have to go to um you know loyal people and tell them not to be loyal and it's like it's difficult and i think i think the main thing that i think brick and mortar stores need to focus on is just that like if you focus more so if your business model starts with the customer is king like, there's a reason that all the Fortune 500 companies, that's the first thing that they tell their employees. Whether or not the CEOs that are making $39 million a year um, believe that or not, um, there's a reason that, that at the entry-level positions and all throughout management, etc., customer service is always, always number one. And there are numerous places that I will just walk away from if they, are, if they have poor customer service, regardless yeah. of, of price or whatever reason I'm going there. But the thing is, like, if you go through your brick-and-mortar business thinking the customer is king, 
I'm not talking about cutting your margins so low that you don't make money. Yeah. And I'm not talking about doing the customer's always right. That's totally different. What I'm talking about, though, is that when I say to you, you're charging me $40 more than all of these cards that I can buy online. And I'm not saying that to shark you. I'm just saying, man, can we work something out where I buy them for 105 from you instead of 140 Like, I understand you take a hit at 35 bucks, but really, let, like, if we were going to be realistic, you shouldn't be pricing these cards at this price because no one else is. So where the fuck are you getting your prices from? And if like, these are still sitting in the case, you're not making yeah, my 120. And, and that's the thing. If you don't if no one buys this, then you don't make any money. Thank and you. also, if you make me happy, then you're going to make that $35 back probably within a week on my me. next order. On Thank my you. next order. Because I, clearly like, if if I'm buying yeah. in that bulk in that volume, then that's the way I buy. Exactly. So and why so those, wouldn't you want to keep a loyal customer who spends yeah. 10 times on average what your average regular Magic player plays? Don't you exactly. want those people patroning your store? And that's, that's how I feel about it. I don't understand why it has even come down to this issue because it should just be, oh, this is correct. Do you know what I mean? I agree with you. And I think – so your point about people being lazy and people not, no, not having the internet, like these days, that's a bullshit excuse. As far I mean, as it's I'm true, though. There's lots of people that don't. There's lots of people that are just ignorant. Okay. So those people that are ignorant deserve to pay more prices and get shocked. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. But that's fine. But, but they what, should... I'm, what I'm saying is just like – I'm not saying like we should have bleeding hearts for them. What I'm saying is that they're actually causing me problem, right? By okay. By keeping that price model alive, right? You're allowing these stores to have this, added, this bad attitude yeah. or this lazy attitude because these lazy people, like they'll always make money off them. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's so, all I was saying. No, I, and I'm there. I'm there. So, okay, so how can we help our listeners? So how can we help facilitate change? And this is what I'd like to bring to our to our masses. And this is what I'd like us to accomplish as a group. Because there's sure. no reason for us to continue to be stupid. There's no reason for us to continue to take it up the shitter by local game stores that want to charge what they want to charge. There's no reason for it anymore. We are legion, and we have every opportunity to facilitate the change for ourselves. We are legion. <laughs> okay. KYT, do you have anything you want to pitch into this before I go on my rant? Yeah, well, Dad, we're talking specifically about cards that you feel are mostly going to sit there, right? Or Because for sure, to my understanding, at least my store would definitely charge more for type 2 singles, or a, especially if there's like a tournament or a vendor there, definitely you should expect the prices to be ex- more expensive because you want to buy the cards to have for that particular moment. Okay, hold on. So let me address that real quick, and then I want to let you continue. I'm Be clear. I'm not referring to buying at a trade show or buying an event because that's a totally other separate subsection of supply and demand. Yeah, and, that's totally and different. That's, that's entirely different. So I'm not addressing that at all. And if people want to fucking charge $40 for a Lawan because only three of them came to the show, then that's their right to do so. Okay. okay? That's a totally different situation. Um, the other thing is specifically standard stuff, okay? That stuff spikes high and low, and with the exception of cards like Jace, we're not talking about, you know, many cards that break, you know, 25 bucks here, okay? Yeah, really. And a $25 card that's marked up to 30 because it's hot as shit right now, you can't really bitch about that. Right. A $25 card that's marked to 45 because it's hot as shit right now. Or 50 because they, they think they have a hunch. That's a problem. And that's okay. what I'm talking about. And, so and I just want to just really quickly, I just want to add like for that little part as well. I want to add to people. If you want me to fucking trade with you, 
don't act like this, you fucking assholes. Okay? Your your car that you bought for $5,000 and then you put $10,000 worth of like awesome engine mods in <laughs> that doesn't equal $15,000 and it certainly doesn't equal $25,000 because you think that you should make all of your fucking money back on that shit. Why the fuck would I trade you cards in a store no less for the same value that the store is selling them to me for? Because yeah. you're obviously not going to take any of my jank if you're being like this. If you're being such a fucking douche. So why the fuck would I trade for you? Like, yep, Spellstrike's $10. You know what I want to trade it from you then? Is at least 8 At the yeah. very most, it needs no, I'll give you. No, th- I'll give you 3 on it. Maybe. Maybe. But, like, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, right, like right. If, you, if you want to fucking trade my cards from me, you need to give me a good value. And if I'm trading, f- like, cards from you, you need to have a good value as well and a realistic value. I don't want you telling me that... Like, your spell skate is a $10 card. It's a $10 card in a case at a store. But I'm not in a case at a store. I'm in some kid's dungy fucking binder going through fucking eight years of just dusty old single. Like, stop, and like Magic players, stop hoarding your fucking cards. Trade them. If we're not okay. using them, trade them so that some kid can fucking play with them and he can have fun. And he can build a commander deck that isn't the worst because he's never seen any of these cards because he can't <laughs> trade for any of them because you guys value them at $80,000. You got like a nice little collection of dust you're collecting. Like, fuck. Piss me off. KYT. KYT, go ahead. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to see the reasoning behind these stores. I mean, definitely I can understand uh, stores that have a lot of these cards in their supply that that you're asking for, um, like, that are really active in buying stuff, like face-to-face games. I mean, I don't know if it's because they sponsor me, but if I go up to them and and buy something and and ask for... for, uh, hoping for a discount, they're, they're more receptive. And I do wonder if it's like the stores you go to, if like they're the only bobs that they have left or something. And they're, they're just, they, they're, they just don't buy as much as the other store. And I wonder if that's the reason why. But I think, I think to touch on that though, I think that is irrelevant because the way that that argument's being presented is that the card uh, store or the, or the city or the region of that city is the supply and demand. And what Scotty and I are saying is, like, it's 2011. Your supply and demand region now is worldwide. I don't care if you have one bob for $20 or if you have 10 bobs for $20. If I can get them online for 15 why would I buy them from you? Yeah. I mean, I think there's always that desperate kid for for this upcoming weekly in-store tournament that will just buy one if he's missing. Yeah, okay. Okay, So let's educate those kids. First and foremost, let's get that off the table. Guys, this I can is can- educate this, those kids on. on where to get their cards. This is Canada. Okay. Th- this may be localized as a Canadian problem. It is. It is. Fucking, yeah, it is. Or a Canadian fucking problem. small town U.S. problem. Okay. Because all of you, f- there's a totally different commerce on cards up here than there is in the States. Down and south, it, you can yeah. fucking turn cards around for cash, like in this blink like of an eye. Like drugs. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and it, and it, it literally know, the main, is the printing money. That, again, like the main reason for that is because in Canada, apparently... We're not. We're like fucking Guatemala, according to like the U.S. distributors. <laughs> yeah, where apparently, popula- like Star City Games, is I'm I'm a verified PayPal mem- member, and Star City <laughs> Games won't even send me fucking cards if I, I pay through PayPal. It's true. It's true. Like what the fuck? It's yeah. fucking 2011. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? Channel Fireball takes my PayPal, and when they sh- when they ship me an order, and they know I've received it, they send me a survey about how they did. And yeah. if I piss and moan and bitch and complain and say it took too fucking long and it was terrible, you know what? They credit my shipping amount extra order. 
Well, that's pretty nice. Wow. Except for that, okay. You know, they like, just that's, never that's what I'm ever talking send about. you your right cards. I would never order from Channel Fireball personally. Uh, honestly, but. you know what? I have to tell you, my Channel Fireball experiences have been quite good with the exception of uh, there was like one set of orders that I placed around for New Phyrexia and stuff and everything came late, but it was everybody. Except yeah. for Card Kingdom. They were on time. Um, but like, and like, I think, I think, so, so like, that's the main thing. I guess it's good that you got that out of the way because it is a main, it's mainly Canadian and some people feel the, the pinch in, in the States, but it's definitely not for all of our listeners. Um, the other thing, KYT, when you're saying like, there's always that desperate kid, for anybody that's not listening to the A team, I just hope that you just get ripped off and then you pay the $20 for the Bob when they're 15. That's fine. For everybody that does listen to the A team, I'm just going to tell you something right now. If you need <laughs> cards for the next day, Troll and Toad will ship you cards overnight. Really? Wow. To, to fucking Canada. Wow. That's sick. It is sick. So I'm going to plan a PTQ more. <laughs> that's that's yeah. tech. I that's need fucking, tech. I need fucking, I need Jace's because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a really nice Australian kid and some dirty fucking Australian kid stole all my rares out of my trunk. That's a shout out for Baz. Yeah. So, um, I need Jace's like today. Well, you pay like I think it's like ten dollars or fifteen dollars for shipping, and they'll overnight them to you. So, I mean, if you're ordering enough cards, the shipping cost can negate. Like, and still, it still ends up being cheaper. It's still cheaper for me to go and buy <laughs> all of the cards I need from Troll and Toad and make a complete Cobblade deck than it is to buy it from a store. Yeah. So, and, and that's sure. the state of the nation that we live in, guys. Like, sure. The the truth is, is that yeah, it's 2011. Wake up, <laughs> okay. Wake up. Um, and if if you're going to continue to operate business this way, you're inevitably going to be left behind. Um, I'm not going to give a shit about that. Right. I and the only person you have to blame for it is yourself. Yeah. Like I don't want to sit here and hear you whine about how blue de blah this and blue de blah this. You know how many people give a shit about the Korean grocery store that closed down the street from me because co-op opened? None. Only the old Koreans that Only fucking the went fucking there every day. Korean people that work there that were too lazy to walk down the street to the supermarket. Yeah, that's it. You know why? Because you charge eight dollars for your gallon of milk. You eight dollar. You know, you like <laughs> charge like forty five dollars for a fucking group of bananas. Like what? Like. I don't feel sorry for you. You have more cost and higher overhead than co-op, and they can undercut. And whatever. I don't give a shit about any of that because I'm the consumer, and I need to be able to have good customer service experiences. You know, and like this is why some stores I've noticed, a lot of stores have gotten really far away from the singles market, and I've a lot of stores now they basically they have a very skeleton grouping of singles, and they basically just run really awesome tournaments, and that's how they make their money is packs sleeves and tournaments and if that's how they want to run it that's fine and that's good for them they have really great customer service i have a fun client experience when i'm dealing with them and i don't go to them for my singles because they don't have anything ever you know so so extra tips and tricks for for our listeners as well so while i have been you know obviously out looking for you know my legacy staples i've come across what i found to be some really easy ways to you know find exactly what you're looking for with with paying even potentially less than online retailer prices so i want to kind of throw these tips out there to our listeners so that if they are as fed up as i am and they don't want to take shit anymore and they don't have people that have their back as it were i have news for you there is a fucking sea of dudes out there that have your back, kids. <laughs> and they are your Twitter followers. They are your, you know, magic community figures. Um, I have to give, you know, some shout outs to, uh, like, I got to give a shout out to O2Drop.com. Uh, John sent me, uh, he sold me a Bob. 
it was in rough shape, but you know what? Gave me a wicked deal on it. Uh, I got a couple bobs off of uh, Medina, and he gave me a good deal on them. You know, uh, I put it out there and saying, I'm looking for Goyfs. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. And you know what? How many? There's been a lot of people that have come forth and said, hey, you know what? Yeah, I got those. I got those. I'm willing to do this. You know, uh, MTGO Traders. Or no, sorry. It's um, MTOL Traders, I think. No, MOTL. MOTL. Yeah, that's the one. Model. Uh, model. Also a really good place to go. And I mean, you're not paying fees. You know, it's you're dealing with people, you know, and there's always the opportunity, the chance that you're going to get screwed. But for the most part, if you're active in the community, your peers can help you, you know, um, and, and everyone's always in need of money. And, and, you know, so if you're not on Twitter, get on it. Um, there's a lot of people that you can follow. I mean, you look at some of our, you know, Twitter followers and the people that we're following and you should definitely be, uh, be jumping onto those. So, um, I, I was able to do pretty well. eBay, of course, can be you know pretty good if you've got the the skills and chops for that. Uh, but sometimes it can also be fucking terrible. So just kind of like watch what you're doing there. Yeah. Um, and I think I think if we want to drive change, another thing that we should try to do, and I want everybody on board with this. I want traders. I want consumers. I want the stores that are selling things. We need to come up with a system that works that's better than the system that we have. And because, like, to be honest, this is almost like a regime change. We yeah. can sit around for the next 30 years while the government fucks us, or we can make something happen. And you know what? Truth be told, I'm not naive. I know that most of you people are just going to either bitch and moan about how much bitch and moaning I'm doing, or you're just going to have it. You're going to laugh. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. You're going to go back to paying your overprices for your store. And the store is going to be happy that you're doing that because – you know, they're making money. I think what we need to do is we just need to establish the fact that we won't put up with this anymore, but in a good, polite, you know, progressive manner. I'm not talking about going backwards and being a dick and locking out stores until they go out of business and then yeah. saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're because face. we, we don't just, want that at all. No, not at all. What I'm saying is if I go to you and you say that these, the spell skites that you have are $15 and I say like, Oh really? Are they that much now? And you say, well, we think they are. And I say, well, you know, online they're, they're X amount of dollars and, you know, I'd like to support my local business as opposed to supporting just an online kind of mega corporation that has no face. Is there a deal that we can make here? Is there a way that we can both be happy? And if the guy says to you, if the guy's behind the counter and he says, fuck you, buy it online then if, you're, if they sell it so much cheaper, then you say, you know what? You lost a customer today. I, that wasn't my intention and I really was intending to, you know, try to – help my local store grow and be more progressive it's i mean i'm sorry that we couldn't make an agreement and just walk away you don't have to be rude about it you don't have to go spreading rumors and telling everybody in this in the city that you know fucking this place won't do deals and shit and for the store owners and the people behind the counter i'd like for you to just attempt to just see it from our side i understand that you guys have overhead and heating and rental space and etc but really there's no reason for you to be charging more like exorbitantly more than other places with those excuses. You have this business for a reason. You chose this. This isn't my choice. You chose this. Jay, I, 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 I'm really glad you put it that way. Cause I don't think, uh, I don't think there was a better way you, you could have put that. Um, so listeners don't be rude. Jump onto our comment section. Feel free to blast the local game store in the comment section. Uh, local game store owners. If you, uh, you know, feel strongly about this and uh, have some opinions or, you know, maybe there's a way that that you operate, uh, you know, that that is maybe working for you that allows you to find that happy balance with your clientele, then let us know about it. We want to hear about it. 
you know, I'd really like for this to, you know, spawn some legitimate discussions in open forum because I don't think there's enough of it occurring between the client base and the local game stores. The online retailers, we understand they're extremely competitive and there's there's the volume discussions to have and so on and so forth. But guys, at the end of the day, Jay's totally right. The market has gone global with this. The internet is everywhere. People are shipping to wherever. You can fucking get an entire deck overnight for a PTQ. Guys, like... We have to pull our heads out of the sand and, and let's let's get this together. So let's just let's just be happy and together and as a team. That's what I want. You know? And with the discussion point of being a team, we've added Jesse back to the podcast. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so excited to have you back. I'm just I'm just tuckered out. I, I blew my load. I know we've had it's a pretty, we've had a pretty exciting cast tonight. <laughs> What's up, bro? Hey guys, sorry, sorry. My deepest apologies. It's all good. Family first, right? Yeah, yeah. Jesse would have so, slept through that anyways. What we yeah. did I have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, but I it was funny. He doesn't like confrontation, right? So he would have put it in his two cents, and then he would have just kind of let it go. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on, guys? We can, yeah. <laughs> this is out of control. <laughs> nice. All right. My, my trolling is well-deserved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's up, bro? What's going Nothing on? Not much. Just catching the end of this so I get my voice on the cast, you know? I don't like missing weeks. So missing weeks. So, guys, uh, I'm taking next week off. <laughs> oh yeah baby right i have uh yeah we have we have baby endeavors to go through this weekend so hopefully by the time this cast goes up i will be a uh a daddy again so uh yes. we we've got a uh an induction date scheduled to start around saturday and then we'll see how it all plays out Nice, dude. yeah so i'm gonna see if uh so i know marshall has volunteered to uh step in for me while i'm gone I like it. So uh, it'll give him something to do while he's trying to find some co-hosts for uh, for Ryan. So, um, yeah. So that's for next week. Sick, dude. Uh, Julio. I am going to like do a random segment change real quick. Um, <laughs> the fact that uh, I just want to squeeze in a couple things. Matt Marr and Matthias Hunt are 2-0 in the Pro Tour right now. When this comes out, though, you know, it'll, the tournament will be over. It'll be but, over, uh, but it's still exciting. Whatever. Matthias beat PV in the first round. That was sick. PV chose the worst deck. I was told the whole – because I helped Matthias Hunt, Kyle Stoll, his whole crew in Minnesota, uh, Todd Anderson, and Matt Marr, um, all testing on our Facebook group for this. Um, they all chose different decks pretty much, but um, – uh, I was like, just no one play Tempered Steel. It's a trap. Everyone will be super prepared for it because it's the number one deck. And sure enough, PV was rocking it, and Matthias just like demolished him. So, so now, okay, so since this is going up after the tournament, right? what have you guys been brewing? Um, yeah, well, I was really pushing Grixis Tezzeret list with um, either Koss and or uh, Koldotha Phoenix, which is really, really close to my Mind Hammer list. It translates extremely well to Block, which uh, actually made a lot of sense because Block is such a huge power drop. Um, so I was pushing that. Uh, I was also pushing Mono Black Infect was a really, really strong strategy. Uh, particularly without artifacts because people are packing like a lot of main deck hate for artifacts. So um, I was on either one of those. I really liked Grixis Tez the best. 
Uh, Matt is playing a blue-red control deck. Um, and a lot of the guys are playing straight blue-black Tezzeret lists, as well as um, a couple going their own route. One guy did go the mono-black Infect route. Um, I can't remember all their names. It was like Kyle Stoll, Blair Simpson. Jeez, um, I can't remember everyone's name, sorry. But anyway, so those are kind of the decks we were looking at. Uh, we tested Bug a lot. Um, that it, you know... It it was really tough to game versus like mono red and tempered steel is what it came down to. But uh, a lot of the control decks uh, seemed pretty powerful. Basically, consecrated sphinx decks. Excellent. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that card's clearly the most powerful card in the set right now. Um, but come new standard, we'll have M12 and we'll have Titans, which are confirmed. Well, at least Inferno seems to be. So, um, and then Innistrad will come out. So, I mean, block won't be block. It'll be standard and it'll have two extra sets to support it. So seems legitimate. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention before taking up the whole cast time towards the end here is that, uh, um, motherfuckers daily MTG. Did you all see Matt Mars deck tech? Yes, we saw Matt Green Mars deck tech. I got I got to I got to fucking rub myself guys. So, uh that <laughs> deck rub, deck tech rub yourself? day 2. Yeah, yeah. Scott, I'm rub rubbing on his Jimmy. AKA, AKA uh, brag a little bit. Um <laughs> I like calling it rubbing myself though because it's much fucking cooler. Rubbing on your ball sack. <laughs> um, so check it out. Daily MTG deck tech with Matt Marr. He uh, last minute that morning in Singapore decided to roll with my deck and it worked out pretty good for him. So a um, couple bad beats. Had to play a main deck Torp Orb and the deck has ton of come into play effects. So uh, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, was that but, uh, was that uh, shout us yet? Uh, shout us list? Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> by control with four main deck Torp Orbs. What the fuck? So. Can't can't plan for that kind of shit, but uh, he was close, and uh, he got his pro point in placing some money, and so life is good. Sweet. So what else has happened in the the world of Magic for you this week? Uh, This week, just paying attention to the pro tour, um, hoping these guys do good, and... uh, you know, not much else. I might play an FNM, but um, my brewing now is going to concentrate on just the angles, green-white birthing pod deck maybe, and play some mode. I'll probably keep it quiet until the 20th, and if we learn anything's banned or not. So earlier we talked about... Uh, I just put a link in the window here for you. Uh, earlier we talked to, to Jake Mazaros, who ended up top eighting this of uh, uh, pro, uh, PGQ in Ottawa. He played uh, a very similar list to uh, Larry Swassi's Blue Green Benchvine. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the lists that made top eight, and I, I put it in here, and I'd like your two cents on it, was a Bant birthing pod list. And in my opinion, it's at the very bottom of the page. In, it's on uh, manadeprived.com as well, ladies and gentlemen. So you can, uh, of course, see it there if you haven't already because you read KYT site religiously. Um, so what do you think of the Bant pod list? Um, yeah, it's uh, looks yeah, – I did see it before actually too, but um, – I think it's uh, pretty powerful. I got no complaints with it. I think the um, I like it because he had the same idea as me. Is like it's not necessarily like banking off birthing pod and just being cute. Um, his deck's slightly less aggressive than mine, uh, so I feel like it's it's not quite the same game against. Um, Cobblade, just because it's not being as aggressive, and it doesn't really have anything that just ends the game, like Elish Norn. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, I like it a lot. There's 
there's nothing wrong with it. It seems like a well thought out list. Um, the one of like Core Sky Fisher, I actually thought of. Uh, I just didn't go through with it for a Vengevine recurrence, but um, yeah, I got no complaints. I think it looks good. I I don't know. I'd have to play it to know whether mine or that's better, but uh, it seems legitimate. I know the strategy is super powerful and underrated. Birthing Pot is way better than I ever thought it was going to be once I started playing with it. Nice. Yeah, we talked about it earlier, so I wanted to make sure I got your two cents. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So uh, has anyone been uh, paying attention to GatheringMagic.com? lately yes that bastard stole inside the deck i wanted to to grab that guy i couldn't i seriously like two days ago i was just like dude how is this guy not getting more attention these videos are incredible blows all other magic media out of the water in terms of professionalism and quality and uh InsideTheDeck.com is his site. He's got a YouTube channel, but Gathering Magic picked him up. Mr. Trick Jarrett, uh, you know, sees talent <laughs> and he snags it. Uh, so he, he's giving him a good home base there. Um, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I just uh, I wanted to talk about it real quick because we've been um, inundated lately with the uh, Commander and M12 spoilers kind of hitting simultaneously, and you know, before the merger of Mana Nation and Gathering Magic, Gathering Magic seemed to be you know, a very good place for, you know, spoilers to be found. And I just wanted to, you know, since I've been going there a lot, you know, throughout the course of the week, I wanted to kind of just talk about, or I guess just mention how nicely laid out the site is, you know, like mm-hmm. it looks really sharp. Um, Trick's done some really good work over there. And uh, I just wanted to kind of pass the kudos along where it was deserved. Yeah, absolutely. I would second that. So... I'm surprised uh, SCG didn't scoop uh, inside the deck up like immediately. <laughs> yeah, everybody was praising it like crazy from the start. So, so I'm a terrible magic person, and I haven't watched any of them yet. You're functionally terrible. I'm just functionally fucking busy, <laughs> man. Shit. <laughs> but I'll have lots of time. I'm taking like three weeks off with baby, so I'll be able to watch a ton of them on my playbook. It'll be madass. I want Jesse to do a reality uh, MTG show, <laughs> if that's even possible. The uh, dude, that'd be so sick. someday <laughs> if I ever get the time, I gotta pass this stupid ass CPA exam, and then I'll have more time. But uh, <laughs> dude, I wanna. I, I know how to use a video and edit. I was almost a video productions major. I want to get into it. Um, so that's why I was really wanting to get that inside the deck guy. But yeah, the, the, the rea- MTG reality show would be the shit, dude. It would be the tits. It would be so good. <laughs> I imagine it would have been expensive, like, the inside the deck guy. Oh, eventually, if he keeps doing such an amazing job, like, there's no way I, I could have afforded him, so. Yeah, I mean, who knows if, like, he even wants to be paid right now. Maybe he just wants to gain some traction, but... uh that guy deserves to be paid. But it's, I can't, I can't pimp that shit enough because it's just he's so, it's so well made. I right. love it. Like I, I, want, I agree. That's like the only media. The second it comes out, that I want to see right, right. That like at this point in the day, like um, articles and everything are <clears throat> like great and all, but I don't rush anything except maybe a couple few. But Damn this this show is so good. It's so good. Inside the deck.com, you guys. And uh check them out on Gathering Magic. Gosh. I mean I that shit. I only noticed it cuz like of the amount of people that were pinning 
pimping it. Like you, Sam Stoddard, and various other people were saying this is insanely good. And so definitely yeah, props to this guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's done quite a few. Like we first saw it on the Magic Show, um, then he did Star City Games Indie, and then the Invitational now. So uh, yeah, just super well done and interesting because like it's just nice to see people talk about Magic on camera, but in a in a fashion that draws you in by its like professional appeal. Hey, uh, so you ready for this KYT? Uh, one of the cards that's come out of the Commander lists, uh, which I thought was really awesome, is. Is it Flusterstorm or something like that? It's one blue. It's yeah, a that's rare. what it's called. Flusterstorm. So it's one blue. It's a rare. And it says um, <laughs> counter target spell and it's days, basically. Right. With Storm. Yeah. Right? Wow. That's, that's bonkers. Like is uh, is that sinking in for you? Like, are you taking a minute here, or? Yeah, I'm taking a minute. Are these cards are legacy legal, right? Yes, that's why I mention it. They're legacy. That's what I thought. I was like, legal. I think I get it, but I want to make sure I get it. <laughs> well, that's, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Yet another card to be misstepped. Like I get it, but still, that's still bonkers. Yeah, at least you have storm, like. Yeah, cause st- so if somebody else plays a spell and you play it, it's automatically two. Yeah. Isn't that right? So it's better than... Oh, okay. It can, it can only counter instant sorcery, so it's not like a strictly better days, but... Is that what it is? Only instant sorcery? Yeah. Luster Storm. What I'm reading on MTG Salvation. Yeah. Okay. So it's, okay, so it's not as good. Whew. Wow, that would have been retarded. <laughs> that would have been retarded. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's still good, but like... Whew. Yeah, was a... yeah, I know. We didn't, but you guys can feel free to do it next week. Yeah, we can talk about uh, cool. Commander next week. Yeah, I'd I'm like... actually into it. I'm actually pretty excited about Commander right now. So um, I'm waiting to see this last guy, the um, green, white, black, what is his name, Gave or Gave or something like that? Yeah. What's his name? Um, the, basically, he's going to be a token I've got general. It in front of, yeah, Gav, yeah, Gav Guru Spores. Yeah, and I've already got the token deck built, so like... Throwing in a better general is just going to be the sickness. Nice. So, um, the card I really like is actually Riku of Two Reflections. So, that guy's pretty wild. He basically allows you to twin cast and and, um, make tokens of guys that come into play for you. Yeah, he's pretty bonkers. He's pretty bonkers. And then Samia, Sage of Stone. Oh, no. Damia. Is it done? Which one is it? The the one that was previewed on the mother site, the death touch one, skip your draw step, and during your upkeep, draw up to seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draw the difference That's up to seven. Yeah. That's pretty retarded. crazy. Now, Hornet Queen is going to be the most awesome card that everyone's going to hate me for. <laughs> so that was just posted in BDM's article, right? Yeah. On Daily MTG, the Queen Bee as the name of it. So it is a uh, 2-2 flying death touch for seven. When Hornet Queen enters the battlefield, put four 1-1 green insect tokens <laughs> with flying and death touch onto the battlefield. Dude, how annoying is that? I love it. I love the card <laughs> so much, dude. Uh, I don't know. I don't think... that than Avengers Endicar. No, I don't think that'll make the cut into my green deck. No. You know what's really good with it, though, okay. is, is Revelark. Yeah. yeah, and oh my god. Because, <laughs> like, Teneb needed another Revelark target. Fuck. Fuck this. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in my tokens deck, it seems like a solid choice. 
Especially with the flying. Oh yeah, if you have a tokens deck, this absolutely cut, like makes it in there. I just don't think it's good enough to make it into uh, no, non no. non token decks. Just like it's good, it's just with all the wraths and stuff. Like it just like it'll yeah, it'll end yeah. up being you 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 end up ripping seven mana for this guy, and then they just wrath or chain reaction or pyroclasm. So, so you know what, what I mean? deck has homeward homeward path in it? Homeward Path. That? Homeward Path is a new rare land. It is tap add one colorless to your mana pool. Tap each player gains control of all creatures he or she owns. Fuck you, Memnarch. Suck a dick. Oh my god. Uh huh. I'm trying to figure out which one that's in. Hold on, I'll tell you right now. That is an amazing there. fucking card. It's Holy it's in the shit. Mirror Mastery deck, the one with the the guy with the two reflections and Animus. But so so my quick picks say that. I think the Mirror Mastery deck's really strong. Um, the Tenev deck is going to be really strong. Any deck that it's got Skull Clamp in it and yeah. uh, I looked O-ring at I looked and, at all the lists. I wasn't really impressed with them. Like I'm impressed with a lot of the new Bonkers Commander cards, but then like a lot of the decks have a lot of bad filler, right? Like yesterday, somebody asked me like if I was like why I or if I still have the opinion that the Commander decks are going to suck, right? With all the new spoilers and being all bonkers, and I replied that we had seen 32 cards out of 500, and so I think that the decks will be fun to play, but I think that anybody that thinks that they're going to buy this deck and then go and sit down with people that have been playing EDH for a long time and be competitive, I think those people are mistaken. I I don't know, man. I mean... I think it'll be fine. I mean, especially I as an entry point, they'll be able to hold their own. They're not going to get fucking Maybe. demolished. Um, they'll be able to hold their own, I think, at least. I, some of them obviously are better than others. Um, I'm really not sure I like the heaven, the the Heavenly Inferno deck, but there's a lot of really strong cards in it. Like, I mean, it's got a Chroma's Vengeance and uh, yeah. you know, Angel of Despair. And, yeah, and that's stuff what I'm like saying. That. Like, there's... The decks have lots of really cool um, bullets in them. I just there's a lot of there's also a lot of bad filler too that I that I think anyway. Like when I was going through it, uh, like I read all the deck lists today and I immediately just said like, oh thank God! Like I was kind of having reverse buyer's remorse because I could have pre-ordered all of these for 150 bucks from yep. my local card store. Yeah. And I and then I didn't and I was like, ah, I wonder if I should. Like, what if it comes out and, you know, like they end up being worth like $1000 cuz they're so great. And then I read the deck list and I was like, a lot of the stuff I already have, a lot of the stuff I would just instantly snap replace. Uh so I think what I'll probably do is I'll just buy all the singles that are really awesome like Homeward Path. Holy fuck. So, so that card is it. so amazing. There's a lot, you know what? There's a lot of really decent spells. There's lots, yeah. There's yeah, lots. it's pretty good. Um, I like the new art on Punishing Fire, by the way. It's fucking bonkers. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, Political Puppets on the Gathering Magic page has the artwork for Punishing Fire. Let me see if I can actually just. I thought it was pretty sick. That is so, sick. Yeah, yeah. So all the decks are pretty good. Like they're they're going to do fine. I mean, especially if you play all of these at the same table, uh, you're not going to have any issues. I think that the new generals are really powerful, and I think that. They did that on purpose, and I'm really glad to see it because it makes uh, it it makes the requirement or playing your commander to be more of an event as opposed to some of them that are just built. You know, some of them just build decks that the commander doesn't really even matter. They're just there for colors, and they never get cast. A lot of people do that. It's really annoying, I think. Yeah, you're going to see that with these decks, they're almost incenting you to play the commanders as often as possible, and I think yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. The thing that I am that I wonder about though is, um, are they going to include regular sized cards of the commanders yeah yeah they do right so you get the three big ones but then they also give you little ones yeah the big ones are foil too by the way 
and and that's just kind of a novelty for to so you can have that out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because so I was when trying you to play it, out... you can go like boom. But then when you need to shuffle it back in, you just shuffle in the real one. Yeah. That's so what I thought, and I was trying to figure that out. I was like, this seems like it was poorly designed. Oh, and so then... you can like slap the commander down on the table. Just like, you yeah. know what? So like in our play group, when, when we used to play with Emrakul, like before it was banned, and remember when yeah, they sent out the, the big monster one, yeah. promo one? Yeah, you just cast yeah. Emrakul and you go, boom! And yeah. yeah, same same effect. Cool, cool. Anyways, I think commander, um, uh, the commander launch parties are going to be really sweet. Uh, I think that the... Um, I'd probably go to that. Yeah, yeah. if I got some time to make it out, I'm going to try. Uh, because it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I downloaded the achievement list, and it looks like a, a pretty sweet time. So, oh, there's one of those? Yeah. Um, it's actually on the Mothership, and if you look at uh, events or launch parties or whatever, uh, it will talk to you about Commander launch parties June 17th to 20th. So when you sign in, you get one of five premium oversized promo cards. So what they're also giving out is oversized promos of you know the five new two-color generals, so you can use those as well. Cool. Okay. You also get one commander deck, and you get an achievement card. Oh so, man, these I've seen these before. We had these at the new Phyrexia launch party, yeah. and it was like the most fun thing on the planet. Exactly. So some of these, uh, some of the, uh, it's, it's two pages of achievements. Um, one page is obviously depend. They're all deck dependent. Like there's basically one f- one special achievement for each deck, uh, and then after that, you've got some crazy shit like. Uh, one of them is let the slaughter begin. So be the first player to kill an opponent's creature. Um, s- yep. something like uh, uh, over- power overwhelming. Attack with one or more creatures whose power totals fifty or greater in a single combat step. Cool. See, and for our listeners that have listened to me talk about how every Wednesday I play EDH for achievements and for packs, this is very similar. This is pretty much what we do. We have about two hundred and fifty achievements, and they're things like this. So attack somebody with a creature power fifty or greater. You do that, you get a pack. In this case, you would check it off on your sheet. There might be extra prizes for completing that. And I've maybe also you heard say, maybe you say like if you complete a column, yeah, you get a pack. Yeah, and and I know there's some leagues that like I'm really interested. So if there's any local players that are interested in playing EDH, even online, if we could get this working, where we have the list of achievements and you get points for them when you complete them, and then we're just trying to, as a league, like, you have at least something else that just makes the game more fun. That's something that I've heard a lot of people do as well, is instead of, like, playing for a prize, they basically just, like, this achievement is worth a point. So whoever has the most points at the end of the season wins the Stanley Cup of Magic Commander, and then we restart next year. And so this is really cool. I'm really glad. I'm I'm actually going to make it my, probably as hard as I can to get out to try to play one of these, because this sounds fun. Exactly. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited. If I can get out, I'm really going to. Because I, I agree with you, it's going to be wild. Yep, it's cool. So shout-outs. Um, <laughs> looks like uh, I'll, go, I'll go first. Uh, Shout-out to all you guys that have been, uh, you know, keeping track of, of how things are are going with, with my wife and I. Uh, I promise you this is the last podcast you have to hear about my wife being pregnant. Um for a while. So we're going to have our girl and I'll be really excited. So hopefully you guys enjoy Marshall in my absence. Uh, shout out to Marshall and Ryan. Those guys are awesome. They gave us a huge shout out, uh, shout out to, um, you know, in their final episode or at least the final one with Ryan, uh, shout out to Joey Pasco who, uh, yelled out to me, uh, because of him and, uh, the star city opens and KYT and the crazy talk crew. Uh, I'm getting into legacy. 
shout out to Alex Hain for shipping me his legacy list, which was exactly everything that I wanted to play in one deck. So kudos to him. Um, and then uh, shout out to... So I want to actually give a shout out to uh, Half Price Hobbies again. So I got my order from them uh, in three days. Wow. It was sent from California to Canada, UPS Express, three days. Pretty good. That's so, even crossways on the map there. I know. It was oh, it was sick. So um, definitely recommend you guys go there and uh, they send you an email afterwards. They're working on getting that coupon code up, but you know uh, they'll send you an email. You go through Google Checkout and you just reply to it and say, "Hey, the A team sent me," and you'll get your hundred bonus rares. So um, I know that uh, uh, Andy and I, uh, Andy from Commander Cast, uh, we're going to be looking to uh, build some decks with these rares and uh, have some fun times with them. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be exciting stuff. And also, like, for those of you, because I know there's people that listen that don't play Commander. For those of you that don't play Commander, uh, just an FYI, these these packages of rares, these extra cards that you're getting and everything, a lot of them go into Commander decks. A lot of them go into EDH decks. Like, the, the biggest problem with building EDH decks is trying to find obscure, bad, or obscure, rare, or obscure, unused cards. Yeah. Because EDH uses a lot of those cards that you've never even considered or never even heard of. The other day, I had to buy a Homelands card. Yeah. And it was like, it was. I think it was like maybe three bucks or something. But like, luckily they had it. And yeah. like, but like, it was a Homelands card. Like, I didn't even, nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew what it did. Like, I'd never heard of it or what seen it? it. No one's ever talked about it. It's called like Primal... Natural Order? No, Primal Order. And it's four mana green enchantment. Uh, during each player's upkeep, they take damage equal to the number of non-basic lands they have. Nice. Suck on that, five color deck. Mono green control gets better every day. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I want another three-on-one game today. Boom. Good for you. That deck is just bonkers, man. Even when I have bad, bad, bad starts, I just win. I just always win. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. shoutouts? Shout outs. So, uh, uh, so I want to, so like I said, uh, shout out to, uh, John Ugaldo to drop, uh, shout out to, uh, Orin Alchemist, uh, Luis Acosta, uh, get him to Toronto, get him yep, to Montreal, get him to Toronto, get him to Montreal. Um, shout out to, uh, the guy on eBay that was like, Hey, after I bought Ghost from him, are you Mr. Scotty Mac from the A team? I'm like, if so, he's like, if so, nice podcast. <laughs> I'm like, Thanks. So shout out to that, that guy for selling his gorge for a reasonable price. Um, but yeah, so so that's sort of where I'm at. Uh, and then um, big shout out to all of my Twitter followers and everyone else. Um, I know that uh, you know your thoughts and and love will be with my wife and I this weekend. And uh, just want to preemptively thank you for that. So uh, wife plug, wife plug, and with that we'll move along. I've got a second wife plug because it's my wife's birthday tomorrow. Whoa! Whoa. Wife plug. Wife plug. <laughs> Happy birthday, baby. And then uh, my birthday is What'd the you 14th. get her for her birthday? Because it's going to come I, out afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, Me and the family pitched in on a nice, solid uh, gift certificate to a uh, awesome massage slash like um, Wicked. spa. Uh place here locally that's pretty awesome right on so yeah yeah and then uh 
<clears throat> yeah, so wife plug there. And then I got to give a shout out to um, Richard Castle, who is the guy who runs inside the deck uh, for doing a bang up job. You were saying, and, you were talking about your birthday. Oh, no, well, that's all. It's my birthday, the 14th, so I was going to shout out myself. What? <laughs> Getting sketchy here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, anyways, that's all I got. Cool, I can go next, and then we can have KYT, our fearless leader, uh, finish up. Um, so I'll do a wife plug for sure. Uh, wife plug to Beanorama for just being awesome. Um, I wanted to give a, a big A-team shout-out to uh, Andrew Strauss, who is a friend of mine who has always kept up uh, and made sure that I'm taken care of when it comes to certain rare magic things. And uh, he recently broke his arm. And he's all bummed out and depressed about it. So you know I hope you that should the, you uh, should you should say his name in a really really ge- heavy German accent, just to make him feel better. Andrew Strauss. That's better. <laughs> um, so I hope all the guys at work, because uh, they listen to this all kind of together. I hope all the guys at work made it this far to get to the shoutouts, and that they give you a really hard time about how much of a little lady you're being about your broken arm. Um, and I wanted to give a shout out to again. Steve Damalewski. I know that people are sick about hearing him getting shoutouts, but he just continues to amaze. So this weekend, uh, we're going to play game day. He's going to bring me some cards I need. We're just going to probably hang out. We're going to teach him how to draft, which should be fun. And, um, oh, shout-out. I wanted to give a big shout-out to the Broken City and the Broken City Magic crew and Sean uh, Peche and Brandon from <laughs> uh, Sentry Box. Uh, we celebrated our two-year uh, anniversary this last Wednesday. I unfortunately was unable to attend, but I heard that lots of people did and that they had a great time. And I think it's just, uh, just we have a really great group of guys and everybody is, uh, you know, pretty awesome. So um, I think it's just awesome and, and keep it going. And I hope to be there at the 10th anniversary too. So yeah, KYT. All right. Uh, anti shout out to Sean Peche, who uh, <laughs> led Jay and the Beamy to believe that I recommended him to be on Men of Magic, and I had tweeted no such thing. Um, Shout-outs to, I mean, a few of our fans. I'm really surprised. Even at this point, we know we're one of the most popular podcasts, but still, I think I still underrate how many listeners we do have because um, my good friend Dan Kramer uh, recently said uh, this message to me. He said, uh, KYT, a guy who used to play at the store I started really playing at, Quantum Cards, saw me in the pre-release video and tracked me down on Facebook. Uh, I had uh, filmed a pre-release video with Dan, so uh, that's where that comes from. Uh, he, he says, he had a stroke this past year and had a long and difficult recovery, but wanted me to tell you that the 18 podcasts were a big help to him because they would cheer him up and make him smile through a tough time. So he what? says, thanks. And his name's Josh Lemish, and uh, huge shout-outs to him. Like, this is crazy huge stuff. shout-outs to him. That's awesome, dude. This that is, makes me feel good. This is crazy stuff. And uh, the other day, shout-outs to, first of all, to Jake for being on the show. Um, at my store check swing, Jake had his playmat out with all the uh, big names signed, and he had me sign in one corner, and while he was – Naming all the people that signed his playmat, he named me KYT, and some new player of the store came in. It's like, hey, I listened to his podcast, 
And he was shocked to learn that I actually go to that store. So (laughs) it's it's neat little things like this. That's uh, Patrick Dagenet who uh, sent me an email to to say that we're doing a great job as well. So um, to all these messages, I definitely read them all, all the comments. I mean, it's just insane. And uh, we're heading towards our first anniversary even and uh it's still overwhelming so thanks it's a lot still guys just crazy it's just crazy yeah. yeah so a million thank yous and uh i'm done awesome well we'll talk to you guys next week thanks for tuning in sorry that it was so long and uh we just want to do a little nice little friendly reminder anything that you can do to help get uh or an alchemist Louis Acosta to GP Montreal would be great, great, greatly appreciated. Uh, you guys did a really great job helping me out, and I'd really love it if we could uh, get another member of the community out there because he's he's an amazing dude. So let's do it. All right, all right, all peace. Right. And I'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. Spells. <laughs> <laughs> Spells. 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 Spells.